Hey Trojan fans, it's time to get into the huddle with the Peristyle Podcast. The Peristyle Podcast is your weekly ticket to USC football and recruiting news. Don't forget, you can download the podcast 24-7 at our website, peristylepodcast.com. And now, here's the host of the Peristyle Podcast, uscfootball.com publisher, Ryan Abraham. Hello, Trojan fans. Welcome to the Peristyle Podcast. On a Sunday, we're going to talk some USC Trojan football with Coach Harvey Hyde. Your USC Trojans are the Pac-12 champions. Let that sink in a little bit. Pac-12 champions for USC, so we want to talk about that. Beating Stanford up there in uh, Santa Clara, 31-28. to I predicted a 30-28 to game, so I was pretty close. Uh, we're going to talk about that. We're going to talk about the uh, playoff selection committee, where USC is going to go. Um, they're facing Ohio State in a bit of a shocker at the Cotton Bowl, not in the Fiesta Bowl. So we'll talk about all that. If you have any questions or comments, you can email us, podcast at uscfootball.com, or give us a call or send us a text at 424-254-9141 is our number. That's 424 9141 and let's bring in the coach Harvey Hyde what is up coach how you doing well a a busy weekend for college football championship weekend and you know we were all complaining about playing on Friday night but wasn't it a relief when we were able to sit back and see USC win the Pac-12 championship go to 11 and 2 beat Stanford for the second time in one year and then have the rest of the weekend to watch everybody else suffer and go through the uh, the pain of are you going to win, are you going to lose, are you going to go on, are you going to make the playoffs and all of that and watch all the games. Uh, so after the Friday night game, I was sort of saying, uh, man, I'm sort of happy it was over with. No, I didn't <laughs> want them to play on Friday, but it was nice that they won so I could enjoy the entire weekend. How would you feel about it? Yeah, you know, I was traveling back from uh... – you know, from the Bay Area, and uh, yesterday was kind of a. I mean, we didn't get back to our hotel about two thirty in the morning, so it was a long, you know, long. There's a lot of work after the game. We put up a whole bunch of content up on uscfootball.com, and I uh, kind of came home and crashed, and uh, flew back. So yesterday was kind of a nice day to just be able to relax and watch all the other games and kind of see all the drama unfold. And then that late game with Wisconsin, Ohio State. Um, you know, kind of changed everything with Ohio State winning and then the, the selection this morning. So kind of watching all that. And we were going to record our show a little bit earlier, but we wait, we wanted to wait until after USC's bowl fate was sealed. And we want to talk uh, about all that stuff. But yeah, it was, it was kind of nice. You get the game over on a Friday and then kind of enjoy everything else that was going on. I agree 100%. And, you know, I do want to congratulate everyone out there. If you're a Trojan fan or a football fan and the coaches and boosters and people that have called in the entire year as far as following this season, the 2017 football season, to see the Trojans go through it, win the Pac-12 championship. There's been ups and downs and whatever, but they did go 11-2, and and they are going bowling. And uh, I thought their last game of the year was their best played game of the year as far as uh, consistency. They played hard the entire game. They made big plays when they had to make big plays, especially that goal line stand where I think they had seven or eight plays and they couldn't get in. And Walsh made that great play. There's things that happened during that game that really 
made me proud of how hard they played and wanted that game. Of course, the game was heavy penalized on both ways, so I think that took a little bit away from the game. There were questionable calls, but I think they went out and got done what they had to do, and they finally got the right players on the field, and and, and then the tip drills worked again as far as tipping the ball down on passes. Not as uh, one one timeout, but not a lot of wasted timeouts. I just I just was very happy with the performance. And they made big plays, and and I was also very happy to see Lynn Swan come out and say I support Clay Helton, uh, and all of that. I think that's a, a a completion of a great football year. I mean, disappointing as far as if you had your heights go to the the championship or win the national championship, but hey, how many teams would love to go 11-2 and two and win the Pac-12 championship? And that was USC's goal. It certainly was, and uh, I think we want to focus on that for most of the show. we got some other things we want to talk about, too. Um, just a lot kind of packed in. It seems like Friday was, you know, it was only two days ago, but it seems like, uh, like a month ago with all the other news and, and kind of crazy stuff that's been going on. Um, you know, it's. I, I think this was one of those, I agree with you, Coach, you win the Pac-12. That was the goal. Um, you know, was every game perfect? Was the the game the the championship game perfect? It was actually kind of more of a microcosm of the entire season. Uh, USC finds a win a way to win at the end with some big plays, and uh, that's the important thing. I think that's what you take away from the season is remembering winning the Pac-12, which you hadn't done since 2008. I, you know, I think if you'd won two or three in a row, then maybe like missing out in the playoff or, or not looking as good, maybe that's something. But I think you needed to make that next step and, and win the playoff, and USC did that. Um wanted to thank our sponsor, Southern California Tickets. You can go to sctickets.com. If you need tickets, you want to go to the Cotton Bowl, that's where USC is going. If you want to go there, Dallas, on December 29th, go to sctickets.com or you can call them, 1-800-888-7287. Ask for Curtis. Tell them the coach sent you. You heard it on the Peristyle podcast. And, uh, yeah, I'm sure they got tickets already for the Cotton Bowl, and, and we'll hear more about all that. Uh, I already booked a flight. I saw people on Twitter, people booking flights. Uh, it was kind of crazy. Um, you know, everyone expected to go to Phoenix, Coach, uh, going to the Fiesta Bowl. This was uh, kind of an upset that USC ends up getting selected to go. They're gonna, they're, they end up being number eight in the final college football rankings. Uh, we got a question on that in a second. They're going to play number five, who just missed out on the playoff, uh, Ohio State, in the Cotton Bowl. And I guess the reason being that Ohio State's gone to the Fiesta Bowl the last couple of years. They wanted to mix it up, and I guess they wanted USC and Ohio State to play. So they kind of drag USC away from Phoenix and down to Dallas, which the last time Trojans played there was a Keyshawn Johnson game in uh, 1985. No, I'm sorry, 1995 against uh, Texas Tech. Well, I'll tell you, I was surprised, too. I thought they'd be in uh, the Fiesta Bowl. And, uh, you know, it comes down to television and matchups and and who will bring the money in and all of the above. And uh, Washington will be there and uh, in the Fiesta Bowl, and USC will be in the Cotton Bowl. I'd rather have seen them in a New Year's Day game. I think they deserve the New Year's Day game being the Pac-12 champion. But uh, their opponent uh, is the Big Ten champion. And when you look at it, it's basically a Rose Bowl game. It's a Rose Bowl game in Texas. And uh, that's what the Rose Bowl game would have been this year. It would have been a great matchup. Uh, Two great teams. uh, uh, Great coaches uh, as far as, you know, the whole thing. Uh, But it's going to be in Texas, and that's just the way they rotate around the playoff games. 
So the Rose Bowl this year will be Oklahoma and Georgia, which will be an interesting game. I think it's going to be a great game. So uh, we'll see what happens with that, too. So we want to talk about, the obviously, the win over Stanford and the important Pac-12 championship. But a lot of news and stuff was happening this morning. Um, all, if you watch ESPN, lots of debates about, hey, who should be? It's pretty clear they were going to get Clemson in. They were going to get Oklahoma in. Um, and they were going to get Georgia in, the winners of the uh, ACC and the Big 12 and the SEC. But then who was going to get that fourth spot? Most of the arguments between Alabama, who's one loss but didn't make their conference championship, and Ohio State, who has two losses, uh, and they won the Big, Tw- Big Ten championship. And then they were also talking about USC, uh, but you know they were already down at number 10 or whatever, so it wasn't really going to be um, – it was going to be really hard for them to jump all the way up. But I have a we have a voicemail question on the kind of rankings here. It's a little bit long, but I wanted to play it for you, Coach, and then we can kind of talk about that a little bit before we go into – uh, talking about the Pac-12 championship game. So here we go. Hey, this is Robin Yakaya. Just wanted to air my frustrations on this playoff committee selection that's going on this morning at, um, you know, Sunday. A couple points I wanted to make and get your uh, get your opinion on it, and this could be for Dan or Coach. I, you know, obviously the top three teams they selected, there was a no-brainer. You know, four, selecting Alabama over Ohio State, I understand both cases. I think it's kind of a coin flip when you look at the resumes of the teams and that type of thing. I do think that Ohio State has a good argument, though, winning their conference championship game, but I think, you know, we're kind of led to believe that winning your conference is such a such a resume-defining, you know, feature on your on your schedule, but it doesn't appear to be that way. Um, I mean, look at USC finishing eighth. Are you kidding me? Alabama gets Auburn gets walloped by Georgia. And Wisconsin looks pathetic on offense. I mean, one of their touchdowns was a pick six. And they're still ranked ahead of USC this eighth. I don't think the playoff committee really has – it appears that they really don't feel highly of USC, and I think they should at least be six at the very minimum. And I know we're going to the Fiesta Bowl, probably going to play Ohio State and announce that here pretty soon. But anyway, I just think that there's a little bit of biases and injustice. And by the way, Nick Saban – Basically, it's the ESPN show promoting Nick Saban to get Alabama to number four, which I think is pathetic. I mean, he's on game day, and then he's on forever after the games are championship games are completed, and they have him lobbying on there for his team, which I understand. But it's like, are you kidding me? I don't know. Anyway, fight on. Thanks. Bye. Well, good, uh, good question, and obviously you understand the game of football, and I know who you are and i respect your feelings uh, i think that the politics is so much involved in this as far as satisfying the commissioners satisfying uh, the bowls satisfying the television packages and ratings and so on that it really makes a big effect on what's right and what's wrong i think the opinion of usc being ranked where they were or are, eighth, is an overall season opinion of how uh, they didn't play up to their abilities the whole way, and people knew they weren't going to be in a playoff game, uh, so they didn't show them the respect of the Stanford victory. And Stanford, of course, uh, having lost three games, and uh, didn't. it was a huge win. Beating David Shaw twice one year is unbelievable, okay? 
that that just doesn't happen. And USC played a great game. And as I said earlier, I thought they played their best game of the year as far as consistency. But uh, you got to keep everybody, you know, really happy. And you can see, obviously, that since the Big Ten didn't get anybody in the championship game, well, then they're going to take care of Ohio State. They're going to take care of Wisconsin. They're going to take care of Penn State. Make sure they get in big bowl games so that Jim Delaney and the powerful people on the committee still like each other and they'll see each other and speak to each other. And uh, you've got to have someone in the committee, and I'm not sure now who represents uh, the uh, committee. I think the president, if I Am I correct? I think the president from USC is on that committee now. I'm not correct. I don't know. Is he on that, Ryan? Not on the the playoff committee. He's on um, some. Com- uh, he's on some other some, kind of committee. Some yeah. other one, huh? Yeah. Well, you've got a people in there that are going to fight for your conference, and I'm not sure how Larry Scott, how much he fights for the conference. He says it in a very diplomatic way. Like I'm not quite sure what he's saying at times. But you got to have somebody in there that people respect and, and people listen to. And I'm not quite sure how much they listen to him or how much weight he has. So I think that's what hurts the Pac-12. And I, I, and I think that uh, the respect the Pac-12 deserve uh, is never recognized, like Alabama beat Mercer the last game of the year. I mean, okay, but I think there's got to be a different way of evaluating your schedule and the results of your schedule, not only do you come from the Southeastern Conference, but how did you do in other, against other conferences? And, I, and I'm suggesting that they put together some type of point schedule from who you play from other conferences. If you play a team from the Mountain West Conference, you get, on a scale of 10, let's say, uh, you get five points if you beat one of those teams. Okay, if you play a team from the Sun Belt Conference, you get so many points. But if I'm USC and I play Texas from the Big 12, I'm going to get 10 points for that game. And you have a way of evaluating your non-conference games towards your ranking. I think that's the only way to do it. Otherwise, these teams are going to be playing these scrimmage games on Saturday because it doesn't hurt them in any way. They just go by the record. So there's got to probably be a different way of evaluating it. Now, of course, USC played Western Michigan, but they went 11-1 and last year, and at the beginning of the season, Western Michigan was supposed to be a pretty good football team. At least everybody predicted them to be. And they're from the MAC, and the MAC is a pretty good conference. Uh, some teams in the MAC beat Big Ten schools. So I think there's got to be a different way, but I think it's all politics again, and uh, – and I think, again, a lot of it has to be with the strength of your commissioner and the people that are on the committee and who you put on the committee as far as the commissioner or the college presidents. You've got to have somebody that's willing to speak out, and like some commissioners do, and, uh, and are very knowledgeable and can talk about the game and can talk about competition and can get the respect of people that are on the committee to listen to you. And then the Pac-12 will start getting more respect. That's the only way I can answer that. We had a text, too, from George and Oxenard. Uh, what, if anything, uh, do Larry Scott and USC learn uh, from the way things went down this season that kept the Pac-12 and SC out of the playoffs? And will anything change? Well, 
He's already made a, a change. He says he has. I don't know. He came out and he said that if you play on a on a Saturday night, you won't be playing on a Friday night the next week. I don't know how that changes anything. But I think those games they play on Friday night and the contracts that they have with the television affiliates as far as so many late games in the East Coast and all of that definitely hurts. Definitely hurts. Really hurts your valuation and not being on direct TV and, and getting circulated all over the you know, all over the country, it, it really hurts. People don't understand uh, uh, nothing against any of the, of the cable systems that carry the the Pac-12 uh, conference. But you got to have you got to have it out there. You got to have it out there where people see it at one o'clock in the afternoon or twelve noon or two o'clock, not seven thirty, seven thirty, seven forty-five. I mean. I don't have the game times in front of me, but USC had to play. I'm just picking USC. Had to pay, play at least three games at 7.30 or 7.45. And then Friday night game, I mean, at 6 o'clock, 6.30. I mean, really, that's 9.30 on a Friday night in the East Coast, and people are in stuck in traffic here in the west part of the United States. So I think that's a lot of it. It's the television packages currently right now and the time of the games and exposure and marketing that's necessary to be considered big time. If you want to be big time, you have to act big time, and you have to play big time, and you have to do the things that are necessary to publicize your conference and uh, have the pride in the conference that obviously our listeners have. There's a lot of pride, and I kind of went on a Twitter rampage this morning, Coach. We're not going to get into all that, but uh, just about – the Pac-12 and to, to the fact that the Pac-12 champion can't get any higher than number eight, um, you know, after playing Texas and Notre Dame and the, the non-conference schedule, it just that's to me that's on Larry Scott and the Pac-12. They've they've hurt their teams at the top. Where did Washington lose? You know, they they end up you know losing on the road uh, on a Friday night. You know, um, we saw these teams struggle when you know USC had twelve straight games. They had no bye week. Like you're you're. Your favorite for the season to win the conference, you give them no bye week and you play a Washington State team on you know short week on a Friday night after they have five straight home games. Like That's not helping the teams at the top. And you wouldn't see the SEC do it to Alabama or the Big Ten do it to Ohio State. Um, I just think that not having a team higher than eight is, is ridiculous. So I kind of want a little bit of a Twitter, Twitter rampage there. We don't need to get into all of that. Um, but I, you know, it's, to me, it's a it's a failing on the conference. It's a failing on Larry Scott. Uh, we you know we asked him about it uh, about parity versus getting a playoff team in at the Pac-12 championship game. He likes parity, you know, and I, I think for for USC's and Washingtons and uh, UCLA's and Oregon's and Stanford's of the world, like the teams that are you know really could be competing for the, the a Pac-12 title and a playoff spot. That doesn't help if the, if he would rather have everyone like beat each other up and be mediocre than a couple teams be really good. We see the SEC is pretty terrible outside of those top three teams, but they got a playoff team in. So I think to be a relevant conference, you have to do that. So I think his focus needs to switch from Olympic sports and parity in football to getting te- allowing teams to be able to be really good and and make the playoff. Well, I agree with you 100. percent But he comes from a different background. He's an Olympic sport type of guy, which is great. I'm for that 100%. But 
But the revenue of a university and the pride of an athletic department and all of that starts at the beginning of the year with your football program, and the donations come because of that, and your television revenue comes because of that, and and you've got to be get become realistic. And, you know, I, I don't just blame him, the college presidents. I mean, what are they thinking about? I mean, they just get this guy gave this guy an extension. I mean, what what are, what are they thinking about? I mean, that's what I wonder. I mean, you hear everybody. Uh, I don't hear anybody raving about what he's doing or, or anything like that. And so, man, somebody's got to explain this to me. And I think uh, it's got to be the college presidents. Maybe they don't want to have it. Maybe they don't want to have a powerful football program. In fact, you know, they share the revenue now and they do all these different things. Uh, with all the teams in the conference, which are great if you want to make everybody equal. But to me, you know, uh, me, uh, I want what I what I gain. I want to flaunt what we have. I want to be able to say uh, we're the best at what we do, and this is where it starts. And uh, some people are a little bit different, I guess. Uh, and uh, I think it starts with the college presidents accepting that type of. Uh, a product which he's bringing. Yeah. Well, let's uh, let's move on, and we'll talk about the game, uh, winning the Pac-12 championship. I, you know, I said beforehand, this is it. Like you win, I don't think USC fans should be upset. We still get people saying Clay Hilton's the worst, fire him, all this kind of stuff. Um, I was like, look, if you, yes, there's ugly games. You win, you win. Uh, we still have people that are kind of upset at the way some of the things happened. But I think the, the most important thing is you are the Pac-12 champion. To me, that's the biggest deal. Uh, but let me play this voicemail for you, and then we'll start going through. we got a lot of texts. we got a lot of emails. So we'll try to go through them all. Um, and we, just, we still have a bunch of questions that we had like kind of left over from last week. We'll probably get to those next week, and we kind of talk about bull prep. We'll try to focus all of the ones that came from the game and winning the Pac-12 championship today, if that's okay with you, Coach. But um, Anything. Yeah. Go so, ahead. Could we, we do have a bunch, though. I, I do want to get to them all. Let me play you this one, uh, our first voicemail uh, about the game. This is Richard from Toluca Lake. Great win. Three quick things. Pac-12 officials, the worst. It seemed like the head ref had more airtime than anybody that was playing. Number two, please, Jack Jones, somebody teach the dude how to play defense. Mark Carrier, Dennis Smith, Troy Palomo, I don't care. Get somebody. And finally, number 70, Chuma. Apparently, he has become the new Zach Banner as far as penalties are concerned. He's good for at least two per game. He's a junior. I don't know what is wrong. Somebody has to teach him how to play offense. Great win. Fight on. Thanks very much. Bye. Hello? I think we're right on there. Ryan, you there? Yeah, yeah. Okay, good. I, I heard him hang up. I didn't know if it was you hanging no, up on no. me or what. But... That was him. That was him hanging up. All right, good. Uh... Yeah, I would I would agree with you on Tuma. I would agree that he'll get you get one or two penalties a game, and he'll take two or three plays off a game, maybe more than that. Uh, sometimes he becomes a watcher rather than a player. He's got great talent, but I don't think he's playing up to his ability. Uh, I, I think he could be a heck of a better football player. Uh, not that, you know, I'm just telling you my honest opinion. If the kid's listening, I, hey, kid, son, you got a great future, but you got to play hard, and you got to start thinking about the game, what you're supposed to do, and finish the block, and do everything, not watch the game. So I, I agree with you there, 100%. That's not concentrating, okay? 
when you move or have a legal procedure, that's because you're not concentrating on what it's all about. You've got to focus on what you're doing. Same with holding. I, we've talked about him holding before and ways of working that out. But it's not just him. It's, it's, you know, it's just others that are having penalties, too. As you mentioned, Jack Jones, uh, as far as the one thing he needs to do is just play football and don't talk about how good he is or how good the team is or they should be in the national championship game or they're the best team in the country. I mean, come on, kid. You're just a kid playing and you've got athletic ability, but you better play the game with the current correct techniques. I think what hurt both corners the most, and I predicted before the game would start, and if you listen to us regularly or my other shows, I told you they were going to create mismatches. I think that Sanford didn't do it enough, is putting their big receivers on the corners and throwing the ball down the seam to Smith, to tie it in, and so on, and and make it a free ball or a volleyball uh, spike or a basketball rebound where you couldn't get to it. And the only way you could play that is get great free safety play. And I didn't think that USC got any safety play at all, nothing against Martell, uh, Marvel Tell, number, uh, what's his number, two, number what's seven? Number right, seven, number Marvell seven. Tell, yeah. But you don't turn the ba- your back to the ball when you're a safety. You're there, you're a center fielder. You go right, you go left, you go up, you t- get the ball, you knock the ball down, you intercept the ball, you assist your corners, and, and, and he wasn't giving them that type of help. And uh, I don't know who teaches that technique, or but he was taking the wrong angles to the football. And, uh, you know, I can't see it all on the television set, but uh, you've got to have safety help on that stuff for your corners. But your corners are outmanned. Uh, physically, they're outmanned as far as bigger guys, and, and it's, it's very tough to, to do. But I want to throw this out. I don't know if anybody noticed this. How long have I been talking about a jumbo package and a package where you need to have your two tight ends and you need to have a couple of uh, wing backs or power backs in on the fourth and two situation at the end of the game when they had to have those yards or who know what might happen. Do you notice what they did? Play action pass, gave him an option run. That's he is Sam Darnold to the right, but follow out in the flat. So he had an option. They had to cover him or come up on him or whatever. Two receivers, a drag, a corner, and follow in the flat and hit that play. Now that's the play they could have used, or that series they could have used the entire year. The entire year on short yardage situations on the goal line. So somehow they had it in their package, and I just wanted to point it out that it was used at the right time. I guess they were saving it, okay? So they saved it, they used it at the right time, and it worked. And I just wanted to point that out. So, yeah, I I agree with you. Uh, uh, They've got to have better corner play, and they've got to have better help with the safety. We had uh, a text from George. He said, hey, Coach Hyde, as usual, USC let the other team hang around longer than they should have. And despite feeling frustrated by the usual mental mistakes that we had, that we have all become accustomed to, I must admit that this win felt a whole lot better than the others. Coach, would you now say that this season has been a success? How do you define a successful season for your teams? We haven't seen the discipline, the player development, the creative play calling, or the overall team improvement that we all wanted to see, but 11-2 and is awfully impressive. Thanks for your thoughts, Coach, and fight on from George. I agree with you. The record is awful impressive, and you got to respect the record. Was that what, that's what you play for, the record. 
the number of W's you get in the left-hand column. Uh, I would say it was uh, impressive. I think that I would have hoped earlier in the year that they would have discovered the receivers that they were playing with at the end of the year, and they didn't have all the rotation they went through, and they they did have Pittman in there and Vaughn in there and Mitchell in there and Burnett in there, and they were able to discover this earlier, and they were able to utilize the tight end earlier. Uh, it seems as though they had to suffer through five or six games before they discovered that. I think also it was great to see uh, Pelay go into the game, that big defensive lineman. I don't know how many people watch this. The Brand, Brandon Peely, yeah. Around. Brandon Peely, huh? number 90, Brandon Peely, number 91, yeah. 91. He just throws people around. The guys that come in and say, who is this guy if you're an offensive lineman for Stanford? He really does throw it around. And Wausau had a great year. I think he should be the defensive player of the year in the Pac-12. I really believe that. He made so many great plays. And, and how other players came in and, and, and played and, and uh, did well. I just wish they'd have done that. And I wish they'd have discovered Ron, Ronnie Jones, that back. I think he's the best back, and I'm, I'm afraid he's going to come out. Might be the best back in the country that they should have. Why rotate him? Why not earlier in the year have him touching the ball 20 to 25 times a game or whatever? He'd have had 2,000 yards. I mean, this kid's a great player, and you hate to see a player like this leave when you really didn't utilize his great abilities, really great abilities. So there's a few things like that that you, you wish would have happened, but you got big play players. I still say you have the best roster in the Pac-12. It just making it happen, and uh, and you went 11 and two. But I just wish they wouldn't have made us all suffer so much with that 11 and two record. But congratulations, they got it. Kind of along the same lines, Big Nick said, uh, "Simple, how would you grade this season as a whole?" Curious to view your opinion. He said, "Mine." Is a B plus fight on? We are Pac-12 champs. I'd probably go A minus if you're grading on there. What do you What do you think, Coach? Well, I think whenever you win the conference, you got to respect that. I think Clay Helton should be Pac-12 Coach of the Year. Uh, I know other teams had a great year, but I, I think he should be. Whenever you win the conference and do what he did, and uh, and uh, Offensive Player of the Year, I was gosh, how do you not give it to Ron Jones or somebody? Uh, man, Darnell, I mean, really, in defensive player of the year, Wausau, I mean, how can you play better than that? I would give, whenever you win the conference, uh, you look at it and you say, we accomplished our goal. So that's an A. Then you go back and did you say, how can we get better? Did we play at our best? Is there something we could have, did we make the adjustments? Did we do what we should have done? And I'd say, probably a, a B. We should have done a lot of things earlier and uh, get into our rhythm and have our philosophy of who we are and have our identity. Uh, I don't know, really, if the team had an identity the entire year except winning 11 games, which is great. Yeah. But I'd like to see them discover that earlier next year of who we are and this is our identity and this is what gonna, you have to do to beat us. And I'd like to see them develop the offense a little bit more as far as series. Next one is that we got, hello, Ryan and Coach. This is Maybet from Ontario. On the final play that sealed USC's Pac-12 championship crown, I was looking at Ronald Jones and thinking he's not going to make it. 
Fortunately, Darnold threw the football to Josh Follow instead. Great call. Who do you think called that play? They should listen to your show more because Coach has been advocating the use of tight ends for a long time. Thanks for keeping your Peristyle family well-informed and fight on. Who called that play? Well, uh, if I'm the head football coach and I'm involved in the offense, I'm going to have a lot to say about what play is being called in that situation. Everything's on the line, okay? So I would say I, if Clay Hilton didn't call that play, he approved that play, which means that it was suggested to him, and he said that's what we're going with. Uh, so I don't know if anybody ever asked him that question in the press conference. Uh, well, T. Martin, T. Martin actually it. talked about the play a little bit, uh, like that there was something they were thinking about taking out, but wanted to give him an option there. So it seemed like at least T. Martin was involved in it, and, you know, and probably had to get approval from Clay Hilton. You're you're exactly right, but it's been it's exactly what we've been talking about as far as the entire year. If they'd have had a play like that, or bootleg off a play like that, or had a series early in the year at Washington State, it's no football game. Or some of these other games, Texas, no football game. Because you've got to respect Jones, you've got to respect Donald, you've got to respect the receivers. You can't cover it all. You just can't pinch down like they were doing, just pinching down and squashing everything. But it took them the entire year to put that in and use it. Now I hope they have it and they understand how it works. And in the future, that'll be something they utilize. Uh, okay, let's see. We got one from the G. He says, as a coach, how do you clean up the penalties? 11-2 and Pac-12 champs, clearly a successful season. That's from the G. Well, you know, I said it earlier. A lot of them are mental penalties. Mental. That means something's wrong. They're either thinking too much or they're not focusing. Maybe the play calling is too difficult, or maybe they're not getting it from the sideline fast enough where they can digest what they're supposed to do. Uh, that's why I've always said I love a huddle. And I'm not saying it has to be a long huddle, but it has to be one that you see some people huddle on some plays, and some plays they don't. But sometimes on important plays or plays that are complicated, they huddle on it. Right on the line of scrimmage, maybe three yards back from the ball, turn around, run to the ball, snap the ball. So it's one of those two things. It really is, or it's a combination of both. You're thinking or you're not getting to play soon enough, or it's focus, it's concentration. And when you get an illegal procedure or you don't line up properly, like you're, you're on the line of scrimmage when they had five guys in the backfield or whatever, that, that's ridiculous. You do that in Pop Warner, and if you do it in Pop Warner, you get in trouble. You don't make mistakes like this and play for Pac-12 championships. Yet, USC has the talent and ability to overcome these things. And they've done it this year in winning 11 football games. They've been able to overcome some of their holding penalties and wasted timeouts and kickoff coverages. Wow, I'm telling you, every time Stanford got the ball after they scored, the ball even went out of bounds, and the guy ran all the way back to the 40-yard line. And it's ridiculous. And then the punt return, I mean, my gosh, they had two drives that are 90 yards because they're getting the ball on the two-yard line, the four-yard line. Heck, I'd just put a guy back there like Pittman and say, just catch the ball. Two things I want you to remember, son. Where are you on the field? 
play the 10-yard rule. If you're, the ball is over your head and you're on the 10-yard, let it go. If you're on the 10-yard line, you can catch it where you are and move up. Fair catch it and catch it and don't even try to run it back. Because right now, and it looks like they're doing neither. They're confused back there. It looks like Harris is just confused. I don't think he wants to be back there. So just put Mike Pittman back there. He looks like the confident type of player that has that walk or that strut. Uh, sort of Tyler Vaughn has it too, but a hands guy that will fair catch it and say, that's it, hand the ball to the official and run off the field. Let's, uh, let's move on. I like to hand the ball when I score a touchdown, Coach. I like to just hand it off to the official, like uh, like you said. Um, thanks for the G for that one. Uh, about the penalties, I agree with what Coach saying. We had one from Tarek. Um, why do we have a full-time special teams coach, Coach, if the special teams are so wildly inconsistent? I don't know if they're inconsistent, Tarek, but they're they're consistently bad, I would say. There was one good game or one good play. That was the UCLA punt return. Outside of that, it's been pretty bad all year. What do you think, Coach? Well, I think with the time they spend on it, I sometimes, and I know John Baxter. I like John Baxter as a person. But I never gave my special teams guy that much time to practice and, and to choose of anybody playing on the teams. I really wonder sometimes why certain guys are on special teams. You're burning a red shirt year just to play special teams, and you're a pretty good athlete. Uh, I don't know. I don't know. I, I would like to see these guys have their fifth year, be around, and, and especially when they're great athletes. Uh, I hate to see them burn a red shirt year, and Burnett was one of those that burned a red shirt year a couple years ago. Uh, but I don't think they get out of their special teams what time they put in on it. Uh, they have a lot of things they do and work on that they never use. And I think you're better off just having less things that you do and do them right with the correct personnel. And basically on punt, and kickoff coverage, that should be all defensive players. Now, I don't know. I haven't looked at who the offensive players are on any of these. I know that Pittman blocked a punt, and he's good coming off the edge and so on on punt return. But I think that you've got to be able to execute fewer things and do them right. You try to put too much, and here we go again, and putting too much in someone's head, too much confusion. You're taking the athletic ability out of the athlete. You have gunners, you have your guys that stay in your lane on kickoff, you go down, you settle up, you make the tackle. And you all run down full speed and settle up and make the tackle and converge on the guy. And you never allow the guy to break the outside contain. Never. And you've seen that happen. So uh, I think that there's ways of making it simpler, not spend as much time, and uh, be able to be just as good or better. We, uh, yeah, I agree. Preach, coach. Uh, I've been saying that all year. Uh, John Embrea, he actually wrote about special teams during the third quarter. He said, Coach, uh, it's the third quarter and special teams are killing USC once again. Is there any reason that you could see that would stop USC from at least putting pressure on the punter? They seem to be setting up for returns that never happen. I don't get it. That's John Embrea. 
Well, I agree. You've got to mix it up, especially when the guy is going to do that pooch punch with the punt, which is what they're doing now. And they do a very good job at that as far as where it rolls down. Uh, you got to go after them. And when they do go after them, they have pretty good success at that. And they block a couple of field goals, too. I have to give them credit for that. I really do. But, yeah, putting pressure on a punter is, is good because they watch films. And they know who comes after them and they know who doesn't come after them. And when you watch a lot of film and you say, these guys come after me all the time, where it also makes the snapper a little bit more concerned. But he says, i got to get this snap back there so fast because these guys are coming after us. And if I don't get that snap perfect, and the punter's saying, i got to catch this snap perfect, and i got to punt it perfect or they're going to get it, it just gives them something else to think about. Now, I'm not saying you do it all the time. But there's times that you need to do it just to mix it up so they have to work on it and think about it. And if you have guys that love to block punts, and you've got to be careful too, but you've got to say, now the worst thing that can happen, we can't have a roughing the punter here. So you've got to have guys that uh, have common sense in the knowing that I'm not going to get the ball. I'm not at the right angle, so I'm not going to go for it because I'm going to hit the punter. So there's a lot of things you have to take into consideration. Uh, one more thing on special teams, Coach. Uh, this is from Neil in Manila. Should USC hire a tight end coach so that Baxter can focus solely on special teams? Thanks and fight on. That's from Neil. No, I don't think so. I think it's important that you're part of the entire team. Uh, just being a special teams coach is good. It gives you a lot of time, but also being a part of the staff is something good, too. Sit in on all the meetings, be a part of it, coach them up and uh, get it done and stick up for the tight ends. Who co- who's going to coach the tight ends? I mean, I'm not quite sure who coaches what. The receivers are coached by T. Martin, and he's the offensive coordinator. And uh, I guess Ty Helton coaches the quarterback. Uh, but uh, the tight end needs a coach. Hey, this guy's a big part of your, your team as far as he's got to be able to block. He's got to, He's a very important guy on your team. I tell you, Josh Follow. I love him as a tight end. I, and not that I don't like the others, but they're just big receivers. I like him. I'd bulk him up and get him tough. He looks like he wants to – I'd like to see him want to hurt somebody. Legally, of course, in the game or in the structure of the rules. But you've got to have a guy that can pass block when you keep him in, a guy that can block down and block on the run and, and bump block and come out. It appears to me he has nice, soft hands when he catches a ball got good speed i'd like to see him develop more i don't think he got the reps he should have gotten this year because you played him and he burned up a year he could have had a lot more turns and become a better tight end not that the other kids uh didn't play but they didn't utilize them man i mean when you have a tight end like you have 88 uh then, then utilize him in the seams. Look at Stanford's tight end, 6'5", 245 pounds, going down the seam, catching the ball. Smith's not any faster than follow. you got to learn to throw the ball up there and let the guy go up and get it. Perfect placement of the ball. And you saw him catch two touchdowns against USC down the middle of the seam. USC should be doing that same stuff when they have great tight ends like that. Yeah, it's true. And the USC does get an extra, everyone will get an extra coach, a 10th coach. So we'll see. Maybe they split those duties up. Uh, we're not really sure. Uh, we had one more, a couple more for you, Coach uh, Tarek. After winning the 2017 Pac-12 championship, 
is the only way for USC to improve in 2018. Another conference title as well as a playoff berth. What do you think, Coach? Well, yeah, I think you should play for that every year. You've got to play for that every year, and you've got to realize, too, every single year it gets harder to get because when you're at the top, it's harder to stay at the top than get to the top. I always used to say that to my administrators. When I'd go in after a great season, I'd go and sit down and say, we've got to have this, we've got to have that. They, why, why do you need that? Why do you need this? You just won the conference championship. I said, because everybody's going to get what we had, we've got to get more than what we had to continue to stay at the top. So, you know, the Pac-12 obviously is going to be stronger with Chip Kelly and Jonathan Smith now at Oregon State. You don't survive any longer in a coaching position unless you're winning. So everybody's trying to win and everybody's building facilities. So, you know, you've got three or four teams in the Pac-12 that have the tradition, not that they all don't, but they all got to try to win. So you've got to be able to uh, work harder, get better players, uh, do the things that are necessary, evaluate your entire, entire coaching staff, players, back office, secretary, strength coaches. Why do we have these injuries? What was the deal with this to that? What we're doing? Everything, our nutrition, everything, to see how you can get better. Because everybody's coming after you. They all know when they go in now, they go into their AD and they say, SC has this and SC has that and if we're going to beat USC, we've got to do this, we've got to do that. and So you've got to be able to do that. You've got to have the open-door policy. Your administration wants to have it. Your alumni wants to have it. So you've got to be able to uh, get better. And that means with players, coaches, finances, facilities, everything, because everybody's coming after you when you're number one. But you're the one they're using as an example in the Pac-12. For a while, it was what? Oregon, Stanford. Now, who is it? It's USC this year. Yeah, USC this year. We'll see. I think to improve, though, you got to make a run at the playoff. Being number eight um, just wasn't wasn't even going to be a shot. So, uh, clean things up, play a little better. You know, if you're an eleven and one team, twelve and one team, I think you got a really good shot at making the playoff. Um, we got one more vo- uh, email and one voicemail. We'll let you go, Coach Neil. Uh, Neil B. He said, "In the teams, oh, I'm sorry, is the team's inconsistencies caused by the success last year, in which the players and coaches do not know how to handle success, along with being perceived as a contender, whereas last year they just snuck past everybody?" That's from Neil. Uh, well, uh, I don't, I don't think so. I think you have a lot of energy coming off of uh, a big win like that, and. I think sometimes you'll walk with a different swagger, and sometimes you might think you're better than what you are, especially when you read about it and all the preseason publications and all the banquets you go to and all the preseason who's going to be this award and that award and who's a Heisman Trophy candidate. I mean, hey, kids are kids. They read about this stuff. Hey, we're pretty good. I'm pretty good. So, you know, you got to be able to control these egos through hard work and explaining to them exactly what this propaganda is all about. It's like setting you up for failure. So, you know, you've got to be able, it's part of being able to be on top and stay on top and know what, how you do that. And I think that's something 
you have to teach and learn and enjoy for a day the victory you had, or maybe until Monday as far as the Pac-12 championship, and then you got to start working again. I'll tell you what, at Ohio State with Urban Meyer, you don't think they've started to work already? I'm going to tell you right now, they didn't have a day off. And I don't, I don't know if USC has had a day off. I don't know. I'm just assuming they enjoyed it. And I'm sure that the coaches are working at USC, but recruiting's going on and so on. But if you want to be in the Final Four, check those Final Four programs out, okay? Who's in there? And see what type of, who the coaches are, what type of programs they had. They didn't back in there. They didn't back in there. These are the best of the best. So if you want to get in the Final Four, it's not like, oh, we should be in the Final Four. Do you really deserve to be in the Final Four? I mean, when you got the best of the best out there, then to get up to that level, just think about it. Ohio State didn't get in the Final Four. Wisconsin didn't get in the Final Four. Auburn didn't get in the Final Four. Penn State, Miami, they're undefeated most of the year. So to make that next step, yeah, you got some work to do because the guys that are in the four right now, they're working too. So you got to get something done that moves you up to be considered to move into those top four places because there are only four. So, uh, yeah, I, w- I would say that the success of the, their winning, the Pac-12 would certainly assist them in recruiting because they're winning. Kids want to go where you win. And I think that uh, starting out differently next year, uh, I don't know uh, how things will be without Sam Darnold if he doesn't come back, or Ron Jones if he doesn't come back. I think Stephen Carr will be a great back and others. But that's going to be a big adjustment. You don't replace Sam Darnold. I told you I had that problem, not a problem, but that experience of trying to replace Randall Cunningham. You don't replace those players, and if you think you are, you're mistaking yourself. you got to find ways to get better in everything else you're doing to make sure you have a chance. Because without Sam Darnold, I'm telling you, in that game and other games, the balls that he threw, passes he completes, the way he gets out of the rush, the leadership he brings, hey, someone's got to step up and fill some big shoes. Yeah, those are going to be big shoes to fill. And a lot of... Uh... Off-season moves, watches are going to be going on for USC. Uh, you know, after this uh, Cotton Bowl Classic and before, and some you know some announcements maybe maybe before. Um, I'll play this voicemail. This is the last one, and uh, we'll let you go for today, Coach. Here you go. Hello, Don Archie here. I'd like to congratulate USC on winning the Pac-12 championship. I'm very disappointed in the play of their defensive secondary, though. They just gave up too many big passing plays. Actually, the score at the half should have been 10 to nothing. That long pass completion by Stanford should have never happened. Come on. There were two USC defenders bracketing the receiver, and he still comes up with a catch. The USC defenders never reacted to the ball in the air. Unbelievable. No, I don't think USC belongs in the playoffs. They just don't have a dominating defense. They just give up way too many big plays, which was never more evident in this game. Well, Donald, uh, 
We talked about that earlier, spoke about it earlier as far as the secondary play. I, I can specifically think of two plays with that are the type of completions that you're speaking about where they didn't get any free safety help at all, and they were both looking. Nobody was looking back for the ball and uh, or to go up and try to knock it down uh, or whatever. So I agree with you 100% there. I think that the secondary over the entire year, the play of the secondary uh, is something that has to be evaluated both talent-wise and coaching-wise, and that would be one of the things I look at. Why are we playing uh, uh, like this? And I think that, that that is something I hope that Clay Helton looks at. All right, Coach. Well, good stuff. A uh, lot of crazy things. I'm glad we could talk on a Sunday. Right after we get to find out where USC ends up going bowling, a classic matchup, like you said, uh, a Rose Bowl in Dallas, uh, in Jerry World. Jerry's World, uh, which, you know, AT&T Stadium down there where the Cowboys play. Got to go there last year. Uh, we'll get to go there this year, too. So um, it's a Friday night game, December 29th. Uh, I'm actually going to be heading right over from the game over to San Antonio to cover the Army All-American Bowl, so that'll be interesting. Um, but, yeah, great stuff, Coach. And uh, we got we still have more questions, so if you'd send something in that was kind of not specifically about the game, we'll get to that uh, next week and talk about all that. And, then, you know, we'll break down the bowl game, too, with Ohio State. So a lot of stuff to get to over these next few weeks. Uh, looking forward to that, Coach, and uh, thanks again for coming on. Thank you very much, and for all of you out there, happy holidays, and uh, we'll be back with you next week. Happy holidays to everyone, and uh, Coach, thank you. Thank you so much for tuning in to the Parastyle Podcast. We'll get Dan Weber on this week to have his reaction. I'll probably do another solo podcast. We'll have our, um, maybe do a recruiting one. Certainly have Keeley and Shotgun on for their uh, Family Feud podcast. So lots of podcasts coming up here uh, at uscfootball.com. So thank you so much for tuning in, and we will talk to you next time. Tickets, tickets, tickets. SC Tickets is your concert, sports, and theater ticket source. We have the tickets you need to any event worldwide. Football tickets are now available. Call SC Tickets now at 1-800-888-7287. 1-800-888-7287. That's 1-800-888-7287. Or visit us on the web at sctickets.com. SC Tickets, concert, sports, and theater. You've been listening to the Peristyle Podcast, presented by uscfootball.com. Be sure to tune in next week for the latest news on Trojan football and recruiting. Don't forget, you can automatically download the podcast directly to your smartphone or tablet for free. Just click the iTunes link on peristylepodcast.com or search for Peristyle Podcast at the iTunes Music Store.